America into a colorful, secular America, the land of fantasy. It is interesting that Oz is a popular name in Hebrew among families associating themselves with the word Israel, and the Munchkins were, as Zizek puts it, the Masons imported from Germany. Sit down, really, with these feathers and high heels. Well, it will look splendid. Shall we hit the song? And this is to you, because I'm dedicated to you. Thank you for coming. Somewhere over the Background with the voice of Judy Garland, the little innocent girl in the land of Oz. The storyboard leading the story of Land of Oz creates the illusion of hope and fantasy of happiness found in a context or in a place over the rainbow, out of one's continent, or in a far. Continent. And happiness is accessed through material possession and technocracy. The illusion is somewhere here, the North American context, but is gained through control and colorful fantasy of an outer space virtuality. Ross in 2012 indicates to the sustaining mechanism of the totalitarian power in making this illusion, the illusion of the hope, somewhere here, in this context, through mass production or representation of images, and the consequent psychosaturation of minds and hearts. It simply means a desired meaning of a topic that is so many times repeated in a totalitarian media that it seems like a reality, and it becomes a believed reality and a lived story by the collective minds of people in the society.
want you to remember Clark Kent. In all the years to come, in your most private moments, I want you to remember my hand at your throat. I want you to remember. Let's keep on talking about how our perception and understanding of other people, nations, and in this special case of Seymour of East, is directed by the illusions made in our minds in the name of realities about these other nations, places, and people. Join us in the next Seymour Storyland for some more investigations. Seymour will talk to you soon next week on Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. with Eastern Tales in Persian language and Western media in English. Until then, take care. CITR 101.9 FM شما به صدای CITR روی موج 101 ممیز نو گوش می دهید جامعه پژوهشگران پارس شما را به شنیدن برنامه بعد دعوت می کند
Hey, let's talk about food and music, eating and grooving, munching and moving, forking and spooning, listening to tunes. Yeah, dinner's on soon, and to get ready for, ready for peanut butter and jams. You're listening to Peanut Butter and Jams with host Brenda and Jordy on CITR 101.9, exploring local music and local food. Tune in to learn about the best eats and tunes from your neighborhood and a weekly pairing for your date calendar. Warning, the endorsements and criticism expressed during the show are the opinions of the host, unless clearly identified as advertising. Put in your earbuds and fire up your taste buds. It's Peanut Butter and Jams. And hello everyone, I am Jordy, and with me as always is Brenda. Hello. And we have a very special show planned for you guys today on our radio show. Uh, what do we have planned for them today, Brenda? Well, we're going to start with an interview with Kim and Kennedy, who just put out a cookbook. This East Van, a fresh introduction to cooking. So we're very excited to talk to them and hear their story. Uh, we also uh, will be calling a prairie sausage maker... Uh, his name is Jason Rempel, so we'll give him a call uh, halfway through the show. And Brenda will talk about why she likes prairie sausage better than local sausage. And then um, we'll also, uh, correspondent Kendra Lowen and I went to Bestie the other day, so we'll be reviewing a local sausage place. Very sausage-themed. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, so stay tuned. And uh, this is a song by Sunny Pompey off of their new album, Vinegar. I'll tell you what song it is after we get back.
Hi. Thanks so much for coming in. Oh, it's lovely to be here. It's it's like old times for me. I used to have a radio show too, just like this, and it's really nice to be back in the studio like this. So thanks. Great. So why did you make this cookbook? It started out, I guess, um, I've got college-age brothers who just uh, are just in the process of leaving the house, and uh, whenever we used to visit, they were always really enthused about cooking with us, so... Uh, we started sort of thinking about recipes we could write down for them. And then at the same time, I developed sort of a, a kind of clean and simple sort of poster style that I wanted to sort of explore in sort of a, a larger kind of assignment for myself. Mm-hmm. So uh, the cookbook kind of naturally emerged and uh, it was kind of a, uh, we were just thinking of doing like a sort of maybe 10 copy run and, you know, binding it at Kinko's or whatever. But uh, friends kept on coming by and seeing them on the wall and, you know, kind of adding energy to it until it uh, became a thing. Cool. Um, why? Why did it? Um, why did you call it this East Van Kitchen? Like, what makes it East Van? It's sort of a play on uh, this old house. Mm-hmm. It's not meant to be like the East Van Kitchen or anything. Um, you know, it's more about just uh, an example of an East Van Kitchen. We kind mm-hmm. of think of it as sort of typical, more than like um, you know that we're kind of holding the title or something like that yeah. for everybody. We just kind of think of it as more of a typical East Van Kitchen at our house. And what kind of culinary history do you have? Or is this a, just a passion of yours? Oh, we're amateurs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, we have been cooking together for several years at our house and trying to you know, live a good life and, and eat well. And, um, and so neither of us are professional cooks. We're trained by life. We both have really good cooks for moms and moms who are good cooks. So we learned alongside them in a lot of ways, too. I also worked in a Salvadorian restaurant for a month. <laughs> That's where the salsa came from. Yeah. That's a, you got a, you, a Salvadorian salsa recipe in here? Yes, and also Harrison's uh, uh, rice recipe, which is excellent, on the burrito page. Thank you, Harrison. So what would be your culinary influences? What are the like foods that you really enjoy or things that, or people that have influenced uh the food that's in here. Mm. I, I, the first word, of course, I think that comes to mind is that both of us, have, I have been a vegetarian and Kennedy is still a vegetarian. So what we wanted to do was um, make a cookbook that took vegetarianism as a, as a the sort of normal mm-hmm. so that you could, um, you could make any, any recipe you wanted, but you had the option to add meat or take away the dairy products to make it vegan if you chose. So our point with that, we had an agenda, I'd mm-hmm. say, and the agenda was to make vegetarianism the baseline, to actually show that you choose, you make decisions to eat meat, or you're making decisions to, to not eat any dairy and be vegan at all, but, mm-hmm. but what if vegetarian was the normal thing, instead of everyone had to, having to walk around that big elephant in the room? So mm-hmm. I think both of us have a lot of experience trying to be very good 
vegetarian cooks and trying to show the vegetarian cooking can be a wonderful, rich way of living. And that it, it also is its own kind of normal in a way. Mm-hmm. That's, that's neat. Uh, you got, you've been a vegetarian your whole life, did you? Or um, a I long time? I guess it's like 97 or something since oh, uh, pretty university long time. days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, uh, yeah, it's kind of coming from there. And also, I guess, with an emphasis on kind of uh, fresh food and kind of, you know, not such uh, heavily processed kind of stuff. It's mostly, you know, fresh veg and stuff you get on the drive from the markets. When I was a kid, I had lots of stomach aches, so I was home a lot sick. And this is true of Kennedy, too. He was a stomachache kid, too. And so I watched a lot of a show called The Urban Peasant, Mm -hmm. which was wonderful. And I always thought, I grew up in Edmonton, I always thought watching this show as a stomachache kid that I would love to live wherever the urban peasant lived. And I didn't know it at the time, but dude lived on Granville Island, and he was buying his groceries fresh and walking out of his floating house or something to go and buy this beautiful produce all the time whenever he needed something. He also used wine fairly liberally, and I think that's a good call, too. (laughs) But I always thought, without knowing where this guy lived, I always watched him cook and thought, wherever this person lives, wherever they sell produce on a street like that is where I was where I want to be and how I want to roll. So about 10 years ago when I moved to Vancouver, I realized I'd made a very good decision because I found myself in East Vancouver and I can buy fresh beautiful produce right on the street like that and live my own kind of urban peasant way. That's uh that's very cool. Uh huh? it's uh does he is he still around? Do you know if he still no, lives in I Vancouver? No, he's passed. He well, like Barber, Yeah, I think that's who Did he is. did he die? I think he's passed. Oh. Okay. Well, we'll, right. we'll, we'll, we'll remember him fondly if he is dead. He's yes. a righteous dude. No if offense. He, if he's not, then we're sorry. We'll <laughs> <laughs> try and I find out. You're, you're a yes. good guy. Uh, why don't we listen to a song and we can we, we'll look into it right now. Solve the mystery. Um, this is a song uh, by Young Liars. It's off of their new album, Night Window, and the song is the remix of Night Window. Bye. Great, good, fine, okay. And then who played the last, or which track was the last one? The last track was Waiting Like a Tree by Sonny Pompey. Great. Thanks, Jordy. No problem. I was just waiting outside for her to find me. Picked up the pebbles from the front garden bed Snuck up the driveway below the window And it was so quiet my heart was just pounding Up, up they went to knock on her window Inside my 80s light brown skin. 
And we're back. Some whispering going into the microphone. <laughs> um, that was... That was Ben... Arsenault. Ben Arsenault, off of his new album, Grand Forks. And that song was called We'll See. Um, Brenda thought he mumbles too much, but I liked it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's quaint. It does sound like he has a mouthful of marbles. Um, it's so, a style. Can relate. I'm a total mumbler, too. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, with us in studio, we have Kim and Kennedy, uh, who wrote This East Van Cookbook. Kitchen. kitchen. This, this East Van, Van kitchen. kitchen Cookbook. Yeah. Kitchen Cookbook. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're talking to them a little bit about their cookbook. It's uh, pretty, pretty new still. When did, when did this actually get, uh, get printed? We just got it out in time for Christmas, like uh, maybe the 21st or something was our launch, yeah. or the ninth, early, early, late, uh, late December it came out. So did your brothers get presents for Christmas? <laughs> Everybody <laughs> did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they were great. They gave us both aprons with that monogrammed East Fan Kitchen on, oh. on the apron. It was pretty awesome. We wear them with great pride. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Evan. Do they have any favorite recipes from the book? Uh, they're pretty mad for Latin night, which is part of the how the book sort of spiraled from there. Uh, Latin night's kind of uh, black bean uh, burritos and uh, salsa, guacamole, and uh, Harrison's rice. Oh, yeah, very popular. Yeah, the they were great. There. When burritos. they were little kids, they made everything so diligently. It looked like uh, Campbell's soup, you know, every perfectly cubed <laughs> avocados. It's excellent. Nice. So, Jordi, you made a recipe from the cookbook. I did. I made the quiche recipe. Oh, right on. Yeah, I had it for Great. dinner How'd last it go? night. It was very good. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really liked it. We added we added bacon, uh, uh, which was an option. Yes. Yeah. I totally understand yeah. that. Quiche was a real staple for a while. Quiche is, yeah, it's, it's good. It's easy. You it's can eat it cold for lunch the next day. Absolutely. Which I did. It's <laughs> a marvelous thing to bring for lunch the next day, actually. It fits in Tupperware containers super well. You don't have to heat it up. In I'll keep you posted, Jordy, because in the sequel in this East Van Kitchen two that we're working on, mm-hmm. um, I have faced my fear of making pastry, and so this one will have my pastry recipe, or it's everybody's like pastry a, a, a recipe. Pie crust. Pastry recipe. Yeah. So you can make your own pie crust and not be afraid, not be dipping your hands in ice water to make sure they're they're super cold and all those kinds of. The book just has the freezer kind right now. Scary things. Yes, the yeah. book just lets you off the hook and says, go ahead and buy the freezer one. That's but the next copy of the it's cookbook a, it's a very will good book for beginners. walk you through the pastry um, stages. That's who we were going for. We were yeah. trying to sort of uh, provide a structure of sort of knowledge and stuff so that people could approach cooking sort of without fear. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you kind of glean little things, but it's sort of rarely put together in a sort of big structure for you. So we tried to kind of do that. Like, uh, take you through, like, uh, you know, frying, steaming, baking, yeah. what oils to use, those types of things, or what the terms mean. There's also some, like, neat kind of aspects to it where it um, it kind of teaches you how cooking is kind of improvisational by saying, like, things like, use a handful of this or something like that, which I thought was really nice. We tried yeah. to do that for sure, too, like, yeah. to uh, to stay away from the sort of millimeters of this or that and to kind of instill confidence in people to kind of you know, work with their own taste or to move off the recipe or make substitutions. or mm-hmm. So we kind of we wanted to sort of make it something that seemed exciting and approachable and not something sort of scary and, you know, how people, sometimes school makes you think everything is like pass, fail, you know, and, <laughs> that, you know, if it's not delicious, it's going to be a disaster. But, uh, yeah. 
tried to it. take some of the fear out. Yeah, uh, I think you did a good a good job with that. And uh, it is kind of a unique layout to it. Um, I I can't um, show everyone in, in Radio Land, but I can describe it. It's um it's got a very um it's a lot of pink and green going on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sort of modeled after those old French uh, textbooks, like On Our Way or uh, those cahiers, you know, on like uh, grade six and seven French, where they'd have one color every year. You know, it'd be yeah. brown or purple, or next year it would be orange. So what, what are you doing for the, the, this East Van 2? You've got pink and green in this one? It's going to be the same, but I've, this one has a language experiment where um, we call it like ADD and OCD versions, where it's written in um, long form in pink and green. And then if you read it just the pink letters, it mm-hmm. should make... Uh, sense as a sort of really short form of the recipe with just the sort of keywords. So um, yeah, the next book's ho- hopefully going to have some another kind of language experiment. We'll see. I'm okay. kind of brewing it up right now. But uh. mm-hmm. yeah, the whole cookbook's really bright and vibrant with really, really great pictures of food that makes me hungry when I do my radio show. Uh, one thing we learned about making this book was the importance of having um, someone condition the photos. My mm-hmm. friend Robin Humphreys, who's a super long-term friend from high school and a total photo genius, mm-hmm. made these photos look immensely better. They were smoky and blurry and kind of dark and gothic. So, um, yeah, so she they, made them. She fixed them all up. For yeah, you the guys. table was covered in stains and we had, you know, things falling off the, the cutting board and stuff. Robin caught all of those, so. Yeah, it's it's great to have someone to help you out with uh, some of the stuff you maybe not like. It's immense amount of work, and yeah. without uh, like real expertise in that, like she mm-hmm. just come from school and learned everything. Without real expertise, I would have been pretty scared to approach it. Yeah, and it never would have looked all bright and punchy like that. It would have been, I think the the publisher would have told us to rethink things. <laughs> <laughs> and so the second version, what what are the how else is it going to be different? We painted the kitchen green, okay. so that's different. Yeah. So it'll look, uh, it's kind of a lime green now. So it'll look different. It's got a whole lot of rice bowls in it. And uh, one of the things, uh, Kim's a teacher, and one of the things that a lot of people have pointed out about this book is that a lot of the ones like you have in front of you right now, chickpea salad, has just the chopped ingredients on the board. Mm-hmm. And uh, a friend of ours who we met through the book was interested in uh, translating the book into Korean. Yeah, And between that and this uh, teacher's talking about how the visual of the cutting board appeals to different uh, learning styles and how people, you know, get it from the image. So I think in the next book, uh, we're going to do some experiments with either uh, wordless recipes or maybe sort of pictographic or something like that to uh, maybe toward like an international kind of cookbook where maybe like a flow chart or something yeah yeah Yeah. charts and stuff actually my friend designed a cookbook uh, Chris Von Zombathy made a uh, design a cookbook for his friend uh, called uh, That's Cooking which is a Japanese cookbook it's a beginner Japanese it's excellent and uh, one of the things that he made in it that was really cool was a time chart that was circular that told you when to start different dishes so that yeah. they would be ready at the same time, nice. which was really cool. It's so a really neat trick. Yeah, uh, so visual, visually and f- for time wise. Yeah, well. exactly. Yeah. And for international audience or for you know different learning styles. So that'll be something to uh, to look at in the next book. Cool. Yeah, for all those that uh, can't see, we're staring at a page. It's a cutting board, and it's got all the ingredients chopped up in the right size all along. So. It's really, you can see the whole thing unmade. (laughs) And you don't even need to read the recipe. It's fantastic. 
Um, if you if you wanted to pick up a copy of this book, where would someone go to buy it? Or well, the uh, the folks who have been really supportive, we'd like to give a shout out to um, especially Anne at Vancouver Specials. So there's available mm-hmm. copies at uh, Vancouver Special on Main Street. And um, Christopher, Christopher at Pulp Fiction has been marvelous. Yes, to us. extremely so helpful. Both two, East two great, two great locations, stars. wonderful folks, and also uh, People's Co-op is carrying it as well. They've been great to us. Thank you, Rolf. Spartacus. And also, there are copies at Spartacus. Till Spartacus future up in the air, I don't know. And then also at Walrus, design store on Canby. Oh, yeah. the farthest yeah. Uh, west. That's, I was going to say, that's not East Van. I know, uh, the <laughs> conditional path. Just slipped over. It's yes. a great store. Yes. <laughs> it's a really neat <laughs> yeah, job. They have beautiful they're, stuff. There are wonderful dudes in there, too. Uh, we also have an online shop at uh, on Etsy as well. And uh, we're selling it also through our website, which is eastfankitchen.com. Right, the ebook is uh, coming out soon. Chris Von Zambat, the same guy from before, is our. Uh, working, working on getting that together. Yes, he's. Yeah. Converting He's our ebook it. genius. Yes. Thanks, Chris. Cheers, so, man. if you're listening in and you want to win a copy, uh, give us a call in the studio, 604 822 2487. That is the right one, is it? Yes, that's our number. 2487. It's UBC CITR. And tell us what your favorite vegetarian dish is. Excellent. And we'll keep reminding you throughout the show. And uh, if you happen to listen to this on podcast, there are multiple copies, so we might still have one if you want to send us a Facebook message instead on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's listen to a song. This is Sabota, uh, which is uh, humans or one of the guys from Humans and Max Eulis. Um, they're doing a new project called Sabota, and the song is called Cooking Shows. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. 
American indie rock band Veruca Salt returns, performing together with all four original members for the first time since 1995. Tuesday, June 24th at the Biltmore Cabaret with special guests, the Echo Friendly. Tickets available at Red Cat Records, Zulu Records, and High Life Records, and online at ticketweb.ca. For more information, visit verucasalt.com. Vancouver-based Young Liars is releasing their debut album, Tidal Wave, on June 24th via Network Records. They're hosting the release party along with Beatroot and CITR at the Fox Cabaret with local friends Gang Signs on June 14th. I was just waiting outside for her to find me Picked up the pebbles from the front garden bed Check out Young Liars' latest music video for their single Night Window on Facebook or YouTube.
and we're back. Um, that was Gang Signs uh, off of one of Brenda's favorite albums of last year. Uh, what, what album is that? Um, is it their self-titled? I think it was their self-titled EP, and the track was called Runnin'. Runnin'. No G. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> They're not running. They're running. <laughs> and then before that, we also played a song. Yes, we also played uh, Sabota. And that song was called Cooking Shows. Yeah. That's a pretty good track. Pretty appropriate. Actually, it was c- Cooking Shows. Uh, uh, yeah. For uh, the English there, teacher. There was, <laughs> there was a G on that one. I just pronounced it wrong. Great. Well, thank you so much, Kim and Kennedy, for coming in. Cheers, guys. Oh, Thanks thank for having you. us. you. You guys are lovely. Thanks for having us. And if anybody needs more information, uh, your website is? It is <laughs> eastvankitchen.com. Perfect. And it's also linked from our Facebook page, and you can win a cookbook if you call in 604-822-2487. you got to tell us your favorite vegetarian dish, though. Yeah, you have to. Part with information. Yeah. Well, well, because we'll tell everyone else. Even if you want to stay anonymous, that's fine. But your favorite dish can't stay anonymous. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I'm going to play... Uh, do you guys, you guys like to say goodbye? Yeah. Cheers, guys. <laughs> Thanks, everyone out there in Radio Land. Yeah. Um, I'm going to play a song by uh, Prophecy Sun. Um, this is off of her new album with Emerge. It's called Spirit Dream, and I just wanted to play this because she just got booked to play the Vancouver Jazz Festival. Very nice. It's coming up pretty soon, so if you're interested. I think I used to live somewhere where she rented space to uh, practice. That's the cool. early days of Vancouver. Yeah, well, for me. Uh, she, she's still she's still Give her space her. to practice. <laughs> right on. Give her her. Um, but this is Snow Love by Prophecy Sun.
Try to keep everything 
Unearthing the depths of contemporary cassettes and vinyl underground, ranging from DIY bedroom pop and garage rock all the way to harsh noise and, of course, drone. Pop drone. Every Wednesday at 10 to 11.30 a.m. at CITR 101.9 FM. My advice to young girls would be Go home after school On June 12th, 7 o'clock at the Aboriginal Friendship Centre, CJSF presents an introduction to radio, Aboriginal Perspectives. Join us for stories and a Q&A from amazing local broadcasters about the possibilities of community and public radio for Aboriginal, First Nations and Indigenous voices. Get to know the basics of community, radio and public broadcasting from speakers like Gennargi O'Sullivan from CFRO Co-op Radio, CJSF, Resonating Reconciliation and the Red Jam Slam. And Duncan McHugh of CBC News flagship program, The National, and UBC's School of Journalism and Reporting in Indigenous Communities. Now, I'm an Ojibwe Indian, so I completely understand why First Nations may distrust reporters. But editorial independence is non-negotiable. There's going to be a light dinner at 7 p.m., so come, eat, chat, and learn about radio and community media from an Aboriginal perspective. Intro to Radio, Aboriginal Perspectives, Thursday, June 12th at 7 p.m. at the Aboriginal Friendship Centre, 1607 East Hastings Street in Vancouver. For more information, visit tinyurl.com slash aboriginalradio. CJSF 90.1 FM broadcasts from unceded Coast Salish Airwaves at SFU Barnaby.
And we're back. You are listening to Peanut Butter and Jams with Jordy and Brenda. Uh, that song you just heard was by a band called Okra, and it's off their album Taste These Jams. I think it's called Taste These Jams. They kind of hand-wrote their liner notes, so it's, it's a little interpretive what the album is called. Um, but the song is called Grandfather Clock. Um, before that was Jody Glenham off of her EP Dreamer, and that song was called He Has Your Name. And before that was Prophecy Son. Um, and that song was called Snow Love. Um, we're going to go right into our sausage portion of the show in which uh, Brenda and Kendra talked about Bestie after they went to it. And then we're going to have a little interview with a sausage expert later. Um, but this is uh, their their take on Bestie. By their take, I mean what they had to think, what they had to say about it. This is Brenda from Peanut Butter and Jams with Kendra Lowen, Peanut Butter and Jams correspondent, and we just had a visit to Bestie. What is Bestie, Kendra? Bestie is a restaurant that serves sausages, uh, also known as bratwurst. Fantastic. What kind of sausage did you try at Bestie? I had the turkey sausage, um, and so the deal is you can have sausage covered in curry ketchup or you can have sausage and sauerkraut and they come with french fries and then you can also get a salad so i got the turkey sausage covered in curry ketchup and what did you think uh it was really good i have to admit i was really skeptical about the concept of curry ketchup seems really (laughs) weird but it was like a good combination of like salty and sweet and um you know tangy curry tangy I was also skeptical. I am a ketchup hater. I do not (laughs) eat ketchup ever on anything except for cheap hot dogs. And um, the curry ketchup was really good. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty tangy, so it wasn't too sweet. And it didn't have that really cold, kind of clammy ketchup (laughs) feel to it. You are a ketchup hater. (laughs) I really hate ketchup. And uh, the sausage I had was the bison, mm-hmm. and uh, we all tried all three, and the bison was definitely my favorite. Yeah, it was good. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of sauce, so it was kind of hard to tell mm-hmm. the difference, but it was good. We also had two salads, so they do have salads in different sides and pretzels and some dessert. But um, can you tell us about the salads we had? Yeah, so we had um, a spinach and fennel salad. And that was really tasty, really um, thinly shaved fennel with um, almonds, toasted almonds and grapefruit and this um, kind of creamy tarragon dressing. That was really nice. Um, And then the other one was a cauliflower salad, which sort of reminded me of a traditional broccoli salad, like with bacon, but it was totally different than that. It was cauliflower and um, red onion and raisins um, and parsley and um, a, a... a dressing, a creamy dressing. Mm-hmm. And what did you think of the salads? Uh, they were good. It, they, it felt a little bit um, like over overdone with the salad dressing. Um, and the the cauliflower one was a bit sweet for my taste. I kind of I liked the the spinach with the grapefruit. It was kind of tangy. I mm-hmm. like that. Me too. Um, so, would you recommend Basti? Sure. Yeah. Yep. I think. Um, you know, it's it's a limited menu, um, but the concept is interesting and it's really tasty. So you kind of go there if that's what you feel like. 
uh, and it's nice that they um, they have like three different sizes of beer, which is really good, like really small and kind of regular and then really big. So mm -hmm. that's a bonus. Yeah, the um, the interior is really clean. Yeah, like an open but still kind of funky. So it's um, it feels sort of fresh and open. Yeah, and bright in there. Yeah, so it's very relaxing after a busy day at work to sit down in those benches. Um, the beer tap list is quite nice. So really great for a tasty beverage after work. And um, the sausages are made by Armando's mm. on Granville Island. So if you want to skip the eating out, um, sorry, I forgot to mention they are quite fast, so you can eat quickly. But yeah, if you want to buy some yourself and roast them in your backyard, head on down to Armando's. Yeah. Thanks, Kendra. You're welcome, Brenda. Thanks, Brenda. <laughs> We're back. We're back. We are back. So there actually was a third party at our dinner um, who biked away before we remembered to do the sausage interview. Uh, so she sent her thoughts by email. Uh, Rhonda Weidman, peanut butter and jams correspondent, also had some thoughts. What did she have to say about Bestie? Uh, she said it was a cute little place, loved the clean, if spartan white room and the glazed egg lights. Mm-hmm. Which I thought looked like little, um, uh, oh boy, little wasp nests. Cute little wasp nests. Um, she said, I love being order being able to Nothing order. Nothing says cute like a wasp's nest. They were really cute, though. I love being able to order a smaller portion of beer. Until recently, difficult to do in bars, restaurants. But that's changing with the brewery culture exploding here. Uh, it brought back good memories of scarfing currywurst at the markets in Berlin at Christmas one year. Good curry flavor and the sausage was good, but there was too much curry sauce on everything. Made it hard to tell even the difference between the th three kinds of sausages that we tested. Did uh, it for the salads. What? I'm saying ah. Uh, ah. Uh, uh. uh. Ditto for the salads, nice variety, good flavor combinations, but all a little overdressed. I really like the unusual flavor of the spinach, grapefruit, fennel, tarragon salad, salty and deliciously crispy fries. Thank goodness they need to be crispy to stand up to all the sauce. Would I go back? Definitely. Definitely get the fries again is what she's saying? <clears throat> she would definitely go back. Oh, okay. Would she go back? Sorry, I misheard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so that's Bestie. Well, you've been back a few times, haven't you? I have been yeah. there a few times, and they've got a great tap list. And after a long day, that's that's kind of what, what you want. look for. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so we're gonna play another song, and then we have an interview with Jason Rumpel. Yes, who um, is a pig farmer, a pig farmer, and sausage seller. Yes, so we'll, a sausage monger. We will learn more about this sausage monger in just a few minutes. But first, um, there is a listener advisory warning on this next song, which is by 88 Mile Trip. You are supposed to play it fucking loud. <laughs> uh, so just, just keep that in mind.
The 37th annual Vancouver Folk Music Festival comes to Jericho Beach Park July 18th to the 20th. Over 60 acts from Joan Baez, Andrew Bird, Amos Lee, and Mary Lambert to Ozo Motley and Mauritania's Nura Mint Semali. There's a world of amazing music coming to your own backyard. The Vancouver Folk Music Festival. Early bird ticket deadline is June 14th. For more information, go to thefestival.bc.ca. Hempology 101 is a student-run organization here to educate the public about the benefits of hemp and cannabis. Fast fact! Hemp is a renewable, sustainable source of food and fiber. Fast fact! Your body contains anandamide, which is part of the same family of substances as THC. To learn more, look us up on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash groups slash Hempology 101 UBC. Or come to one of our great events. And don't forget, legalization through education.
And we are back, and we have Jason on the line with us. Hello, Jason. Hello, Jason. Oh, did you post this? No, I did not. Hello, Jason. Hello. Hey. There we go. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Sorry, we were having a little technical fault of my own, of mine there. (laughs) Great. So, um... So we've got Brenda, Jordy, and Jason on the line. Um, I actually went to college with Jason in Winnipeg. And um, the reason why he is on the show today is because um, quite a few of my friends really like and grew up on Mennonite sausage. And when we go back to the prairies, we fill up our suitcases and bring it back. And you get them all from Jason, right? Um, Well, (laughs) one of my friends, it lives in Saskatchewan, and she has her own dealer. Okay, she she has a different guy. Yeah, a different guy. And then my other friend also is in Saskatchewan, and she gets it from a different place in Saskatchewan. But my friend Seth, who uh, did the donut special with us a few weeks ago, uh, goes to Manitoba and brings back as much as he can carry from Jason. I'm sorry, uh, Jason, you're you're breaking up a little bit. Can you say that again? Jason? Back sausage. <laughs> okay, um, why don't we play a song and we'll try and get a clear signal again. Yeah, there's some sort of something going on with our lines, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, let's... Uh, Play a song by Destroyer. Yeah, Destroyer. Anyways, thank you for your patience. Um, so this is The Music Lovers by Destroyer. Fear and fine, but must be the wine Cause it's April 27th And my baby's still dying on me We stole a gondola to see And it's the chaperones on jewel-encrusted roads They call the sun professional Deep down they knew all that we were
brother It's Jason. Yes. That sounds very clear now. That's excellent. Great. So So we were talking about sausages. We were talking about importing sausage in one suitcase um, from Manitoba and Saskatchewan. Um, Jason, how did you get into the sausage business? Uh, Well, this is a farm um, I grew up on. Um, So as far as I've been uh, alive, we've been raising hogs. And... um, in the in the late 2000s, um, selling hogs commercially was very unprofitable, and so I wanted to sell as much pork as possible directly to consumers and be able to uh, try and sustain ourselves financially. Um, and so I wanted to be able to sell high-quality pork to, uh, to local families. And uh, how does it go? Um, what kind of sausage are you making? Uh, we just call it farmer sausage. Um, coming from a Russian Mennonite background, this is kind of the, the pork sausage that we grew up on. Um, it's, uh, it only has three ingredients, salt, pepper, and pork. And then it is uh, cold smoked um, for varying lengths, depending on your personal preference. How long do you smoke it for? Uh, well, our, uh, our butcher, we've got an agreement that they do it for, I think... It, it's about 36 hours, uh, okay. about a day and a half. Um, some people find it a little heavy on the smoke. Uh, others, other, you know, others prefer a, a lighter smoke. I've had it. It's quite, quite good. Is it? Would you say it's smoky, Brenda? Um, yeah, but in that good kind of, in a good way, fire taste. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and it uses local wood as well, which is also a nice, uh, a nice bonus. Nice. And where is your farm? Uh, we're located southeast of Winnipeg. We're just about mm-hmm. uh, half, mi- half an hour uh, drive away from Winnipeg. And what else do you do on your farm? Well, we, have, we, uh, we grow uh, crops, um, 
the grains, uh, which we we have our own feed mill, which we so we uh, turn our our grains into feed for our pigs. Um, so you could even say our hogs have a local diet, huh. and uh, and then I also have uh, goats, and uh, I do pasture chickens in summer. So I uh, found your blog, and it looked like you have some fairly progressive farming practices. Can you tell us about uh, the the growing up years of your pigs and your chickens? The growing up years? <laughs> yes. What? <laughs> how they how they're raised? Or yeah. Um, well. Our ho- like I said, our, our hogs are fed uh, feed that we make ourselves, um, and you know there's no no antibiotics in the feed, and there's no no growth promoters. Um, and uh, same thing with our with our chickens. There's no uh, no antibiotics uh, used. Um, our hogs, uh, well, you know, in Manitoba, for our hogs to survive the winter, they are in uh, they are in barns uh, all year round, um, but. Uh, my chickens, I just do in summer, and uh, and just have them inside for a couple of weeks, and put them out on pasture um, right next door to the goats. Hmm. 